Oh God, with the throng of disciples on Palm Sunday and with all the church ever since, we give you praise and thanks. We offer our gifts that they may be fruitful for your service and helpful for those in need and that uh, we may learn more diligently how to give and do for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Scripture lesson comes from Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11. Your attitude should be the same that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not demand and cling to his rights as God. He made himself nothing. He took the humble position of a slave and appeared in human form. And in human form, he obediently humbled himself even further by dying a criminal's death on a cross. Because of this, God raised him up to the heights of heaven and gave him a name that is above every other name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. The Word of God. For the people of God. We're going to try to get the sound straightened out, and uh, if necessary, I can holler. I uh, don't want to sound too harsh, though. From palms to passion. And of course, the palms are those of Palm Sunday. The passion is the passion of our Savior Jesus as he shared a final meal with his disciples, his closest friends and associates, as he was betrayed by one of those, as he was denied uh, by one and more of those, and then as he was tried and crucified, uh, hung to death on a cross. Now, is, is there anything unusual about that for us? I think we've all experienced, one time or another, something of the ecstasy that is so 
invigorating and our spirits get up and and we've ended in what seemed like total failure or total disaster. Now, not because sports are anything special, but just because it does sometimes represent our feelings, I, I, I bring to you the, uh, the ecstasy, the hope that the Tennessee basketball team was going to have a, a season that would lead to a national championship or at least an SEC championship. And they played so well, and they did so well. They, they just they beat some really, really, really good teams. And the broadcasters thought that Tennessee was the best, and they were ranked number one for a while. But where was the orange when, when the finals came? Well, some of it was on Auburn. And uh, I think Virginia might have had a little bit, only I, maybe theirs was more red. Uh, we, know, we know the ups and downs. I was uh, in my early years struggling with preaching. I, I mean, the joke became real for me. My, you know, the, my favorite preacher joke, uh, one time I dreamed that I was preaching I woke up and I was. Now, I know congregations can feel bad because I've been in plenty of congregations, but when you get into a sermon and you're thinking, how do I get out of this? It's, it's, it's desperate. Finally, I, I heard from a teacher who said, uh, begin at the ending. When you read the Scripture, what does that inspire us to do? What does that... What does that call us to do? And, and that's where you want to be the clearest at the end of the sermon. Well, I, I don't know that it made all that much difference to you, but uh, I hope you wouldn't recognize me in my earlier years of preaching. And uh, it helps to have some idea where you're going, you know? It's... Uh, well, this this story only fits halfway, but it's it's like the guy who uh, was was going to uh, Chattanooga. He went out here to Highway 64, and he found the sign that said Chattanooga. He pulled his truck over, got his tools, took that sign down, put it under his arm, got back in his truck, and went home. There was another fella came along. He was uh, not much brighter. He, he saw the sign that said Chattanooga. He stopped his truck, got out, and pitched his tent. He was just going to stay right there. He was in Chattanooga. Now, you know the purpose of the signs. You don't take them with you, and you don't stop at the sign. You follow the signs to get where you're going. And that's the truth of most Scripture. We read it. To uh, find our way in life. And uh, we don't read it with blank minds. We, we come to it with, uh, with a sense of who Jesus is. That this is a holy book that, that is revealing God in the grandest of schemes from creation 
to the ultimate, well, not exactly end, to the ultimate beyond the end. And uh, so, we, so we read the Bible with, with a certain amount of knowledge, but we certainly gain more. And you know, it, it is, I mean, it's surprising sometimes how appropriate a verse can seem. Even, even if you're one of those that just, you know, close your eyes and, well, I'd have to put my glasses back on to read it. But you know what I'm talking about. That, that can happen sometimes and a verse will seem, and, and it'll be so appropriate. I remember the uh, Sunday after, after 9-11, uh, the, the lectionary for that day just seemed to be addressing our, our nation's disaster and uh, what the enemies had done to us. I, every three years, I come to that same place in the lectionary. And uh, for lectionary after 9-11, but anymore I read it and I think, now how did that apply to 9-11? Because I've thought of those verses in relation and in regards to other things that, that go on in life. But uh, as far as the Bible goes, you know, it's good to start. And uh, you can use a plan. It's as simple as having a, having a cell phone. Use a plan to read the Bible in a whole year. And uh, hopefully, if you do that, you get to the end of the Bible and you begin to see it in a broader perspective. But uh, it's not just a matter of reading the Bible, is it? Hopefully that would help us to uh, tune our hearts to God, to uh, open our ears to other ways that God might speak to us and to uh, open ourselves to other ways that God might direct and lead us. You've got to start somewhere. You've got to start somewhere. And uh, I, I'm, I've always been a better starter than, a, than finisher. You know, I'm not finished yet, so should I worry about that? In this week we call holy, we should be aware of both beginnings and endings. And new beginnings. And fresh starts. And, and pauses along the way. And uh, finishing things once begun. And uh, sometimes you start in the garden of Gethsemane. On your knees. Crying. Sweating. Drops of blood. Sometimes that's where we start. As we try to understand what's happening to us. And as we try to understand what's happening in this world, in this life. And, and it may be that when we start there, we, within a few more days or a few more weeks or a few more months or a few more years, we find ourselves on top of the world. Because we know that God is in charge. We know that God is ruling but God's never ruling completely because we still have that little thing called self-will and uh, we're still responsible for our choices and for our decisions and so on and so forth
So once we, once we get to the top of the mountain, it's like the transfiguration. You, 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 you can sing and praise and see wonders, but Jesus says, let's go back down. We've got work to finish. Unfortunately, our work is never finished. Oh, personally, it may finish with our death, but the work of the church goes on and on and on. Whether it's the praise on Sunday uh, and the cooperation we have. Now, Ben sang a good solo, but I don't know if he could have done it without Jerry Sue. And if Jerry Sue had played the same song by herself, it wouldn't have meant quite as much as it did with with Ben singing. So so there's there's room for cooperation and partnership and working together in the church. Uh, between the, the palms and the passion, uh, sometimes one person's carrying the palms and the other person's feeling the passion. And so we, we kind of help each other to, uh, to find a, a point where we can apply ourselves and, uh, and put ourselves uh, in the best place to serve God and do for God. Um, Holy Week reminds us that uh, the world, uh, the world is is not our home, and the world. I, I don't know that the world will ever accept Christianity. Uh, there are people all around the world, people in all nations and places, who will accept Jesus as their Savior and recognize the one God uh, and, and who will experience God's Spirit. But uh, we're called to remember our salvation and, and, and to be working it out in our own time because it's a never-ending job. And uh, how do we do that? You don't just do it in, you know, one hour a week on Sunday morning. Um, it's, it's more like getting up and going to work every day. Except there's, there's joy and fellowship along the way. And uh, when we do get closer to a finish... Uh, I hope that that's even more celebration. Now, um, I was thinking the other day, you know, finishing is hard. And it'd be a whole lot easier to quit. It'd be a whole lot easier just to stop where we are and quit doing what we're doing. But that's not finishing, is it? Come to think of it, even when when Jesus is on the cross, and and one of the gospel writers says he he cried, "It is finished." It wasn't quite finished, was it? Yes, he. Whoa! Surprise me. Now, now's the time to whisper. Uh, no. 
Yes, his, his life as, as one of us was finished. Yes, uh, his, his work on earth as a human being was finished. But, you know, we mark it in time as, as the beginning of a new creation. Uh, we, we mark it in time as, as the beginning of Christ's reign and rule. So, uh, in the finish, there is opportunity and there is the possibility of a new beginning. Sometimes it's a matter of quitting the old sins and sometimes it's just a matter of quitting the old ways or the old complaining. And uh, always it's a matter of putting our trust in God and then putting ourselves in that relationship to be obedient and to follow where He has led. It may be a cross. And my mother was pretty sharp. She said, you know, a lot of people think they're carrying their cross, but they just got a splinter. Now, it's nice to get the splinters out. You ask my grandson, Will. But, uh, you know, splinter can hurt. You can complain, but what good's it doing? If you're carrying the cross, that may hurt more, and that may be a greater burden. But as, a, as Martin Luther King Sr. said it one time, he said, uh, you know, if you, if you get under that cross and you start to pick it up, you, you may complain because, you know, it's heavy. And, and you may find it difficult to lift it higher. But when you get it up, then you begin to know the glory of of the cross. And that's what we're about. We don't. Uh, we don't bemoan. And grieve. and You know. The, the death of Jesus. Is an important fact. Of life. That leads to faith and resurrection. Changes the whole thing. Of what we consider fact. No fiction in it. So uh, celebrate this week and join us in services. And remember, it's not just Holy Week, but it's, it's every day. Uh, if, if you're an early riser, you get up before dawn, you see the sun rise. And if, if you go to the other side of the house, you might see the sun set. If you, uh, if you have to work nights, I guess you're glad to see that sunrise so you can go home and close the curtains but every day has a start and has finish and uh, I suggest we start and end with prayer always God we give you thanks we give you praise and in this week we call holy we walk with Jesus but we don't focus all of our attention on what he has done no we look at ourselves to see how we are responding and how we are carrying on the good news. As well as helping to ease the suffering and sorrow of so many. In Jesus name. Amen.
number 282. 282, tis finished, the Messiah dies. And shall we stand, if possible, and sing? Today's gospel reading comes from Luke chapter 23, verses 13 through 25. Then Pilate called together the leading priests and other religious leaders along with the people, and he announced his verdict. You brought me this man, accusing him of leading a revolt. I have examined him thoroughly on this point in your presence and find him innocent Herod came to the same conclusion and sent him back to us. Nothing this man has done calls for the death penalty. So I will have him flogged, but then I will release him. Then a mighty roar rose from the crowd, and with one voice they shouted, Kill him and release Barabbas to us. Barabbas was imprisoned for murder and for taking part in an insurrection in Jerusalem against the government. Pilate argued with them because he wanted to release Jesus, but they shouted, Crucify him! Crucify him! For the third time, he demanded, Why? What crime has he committed? I have found no reason to sentence him to death. I will therefore flog him and let him go. But the crowd shouted louder and louder for Jesus' death, and their voices prevailed. So Pilate sentenced Jesus to die as they demanded. As they had requested, he released Barabbas, the man in prison, for insurrection and murder. But he delivered Jesus over to them to do as they wished. 